it's a blessing to have each one of you here. I'm just practically blown away. I think you all visitors have uh, increased our crowd probably at least 100%. I don't know, but each of you are welcome. We're really glad to have you here. God bless you for coming. As I saw the crowd continue to come up the line to, to greet these young ones, it kind of reminded me, what will it be like when we get to heaven? And that great cloud of witnesses welcoming us home. And yet, you know what? That may be good, but there's one that I want to see, and that's the one that made it possible that I can be there. To see those nail-scarred hands and to see the one that who died for me, that's who I want to see. And the great cloud of witnesses will be fine too. As we anticipated this baptismal service today, I was reminded of some words penned by the Apostle John when he said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And that verse is true not only for biological parents, but that verse is just as true for church leaders. And it was such a blessing to see uh, the interchange today and to realize these children are walking in truth. You know, although John was the one who penned those words, really those words came, the source of those words came from the heart of the Father. He is the one that says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And I believe this morning that the Father's heart is welling up. Why do I say that? Because Hannah and Whitney and Austin and Taylor have acknowledged and they've confessed their sins. They have been open about it. And they have reached out in faith and they have embraced God's provision for victory over sin. And they have embraced God's provision for salvation for eternal life. And these four young souls have joined our number. I asked Brother Claire, how many members do we have at the Peak Congregation? And he said, as of August 31, we had 94. Well, praise God, now we have 98. And I believe that according to God's word, you have gifts that we need in this congregation. And we're glad to have you. <clears throat> I submit to you that everyone in this sanctuary is incredibly blessed. And why do I say that? It's because of Jesus Christ and the words that we have. Some of my, one of my favorite verses I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 goes this way. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. It's my desire that we lift up the Lord Jesus this morning. First point of the message, the biblical foundation for baptism. If you will, turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. This is the Great Commission, and we read these words. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, or make disciples 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the, of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And that's what we observed here. Brother Claire just did that. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. You know, Jesus had finished his work there on Calvary, and he was ready to soon ascend back to the Father. And so the, redemp excuse me, the redemptive work was finished there at the cross. It was complete. And isn't it interesting that Jesus was transfer transferring his work of the kingdom into the hands of 12 men who recently were bickering among themselves who was the greatest? In John chapter 17, verse 21, Jesus prayed for the unity of his disciples and for ours when he prayed that they all may be one. That's Jesus' desire. Congregations are made up of various people, various personalities, and there are times when maybe we don't always get along like we should, but Jesus prayed for our unity that they all may be one, Jesus desires that unity here at the Peak Church. He desires that in your congregation, that they all may be one. What a testimony that is. Well, what does baptism signify? We say this in our statement of faith. Baptism with water shall be administered by pouring, since it symbolizes the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Those applicants shall be baptized who have given evidence of repentance from sin. Two, a profession of faith. Three, the new birth. And four, the life of discipleship in Christ. Baptism is the answer of a good conscience toward God. And then we, we conclude our statement with this. No person shall be baptized without at the same time being received into church fellowship. And so that has happened here this morning. And what a blessing it is to include you uh, in the body of Christ and in the local body here. What a blessing. Second point of the message is Jesus' example and teaching on baptism. If you would, turn back to Matthew chapter 3. Verses 13 to 17. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. Comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him, or he consented. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. John the Baptist did not understand the nature of Jesus' request when Jesus came to him and said he wanted to be baptized. It reminds me also that Peter didn't understand there in John chapter 13 where there was bickering and then Jesus came and he started down the row and he started to wash the feet of his disciples. And Peter said, Lord, he didn't want to have, be, he didn't want to have his feet washed. He said, I'm not in John 13. But Jesus said, 
if I don't wash you, you don't have any part with me. And Peter said, oh, my hands and my head. He flipped. He flipped and he wanted wanted to be washed all over. And Jesus said, Jesus said that ye are clean, but not all, because he knew that there was one that was not clean. And you know the story, and I'm not going to turn to it for lack of time this morning. But I guess what I'm saying, are there times, I'd like to ask this question, and you consider it. Are there times in our lives when God desires that our obedience would supersede our understanding? John the, Jesus came to John the Baptist seeking baptism. Jesus wanted to wash the feet of the disciples, and they didn't understand. But I would ask you this question. Are there times in our lives when God desires that our obedience would supersede our understanding? At Jesus' baptism, I believe there was a beautiful convergence of the three members of the Trinity— Number one, we have Jesus the Son, who was there in physical form, and we just read this. The Holy Spirit visually descended in the form of a dove, landing on the Son, and then we have the voice of the Father when He said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And I would suggest to you, brothers and sisters, does that not thrill you here yet this morning, that I believe the Trinity is present here today? And to you four who have been baptized this morning, realize Jesus promised. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus said that. Realize also the continuing indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And then also realize and listen. Hear the voice of your father who said, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter and who I'm well pleased. And so to you, to Hannah, to Whitney, to Austin and Taylor, when life becomes troublesome and life becomes difficult, and there will be those times, remember the reality of the Trinity. That'd be a, a help to you. I didn't ask the, the peak ministry, but I think if I would ask the peak ministry, what is their greatest desire for you for? At the end of your life, what would be the peak minister's greatest desire for you? And I submit, I think I can speak for them. I believe they would say, we want that you to hear when you approach the time of judgment and you hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. That's my desire for you, and I think that's their desire for you too, that you would hear those words. When you're done here, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And I'd like to ask a question also. After we have become a Christian, what is one of the Christian graces that we struggle to retain? You don't have to answer verbally. But what is one of the Christian graces that we struggle to retain? And I will submit to you that one of them is humility. The title of the message, and usually I give a title up front, but I know there's been a time lapse. But this morning, the title of the message is, When You Were Little in Your Own Eyes. 
Where was, where was Saul when Samuel wanted to anoint him king? First Samuel chapter 10, 10, it tells us that, that Saul was hiding among the stuff. He didn't want to uh, project himself. But the text verse would be in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 17. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 17. Saul had been told to go and kill the Amalekites and to kill them, totally to destroy them. And then, you know, when, when Samuel came to him and he said, What meaneth the lowing of the sheep and stuff that I hear? And then let's read verse 17. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. Samuel said, You used to be little in your own eyes, but something happened. And I would ask also, as I think of another king, what, re what request did Solomon make at the beginning of his kingship? For an answer to that, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. What is it? God came to him, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. Do you wish that God would come to you and ask what you would like to receive? Let's move down to verses 7 to 9. And now, O Lord my God, this is Solomon's request. Thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. We're talking little this morning. When we were little in our own eyes, in our own eyes, he said, And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or to come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord and Solomon that Solomon had asked these, this thing. We're talking about little things and the importance, the blessing of little things. And I have one more that I would like to consider as I think of little and what Jesus had to say. Turn with me to Mark chapter 10, verses 13 to 16. Mark chapter 10, verses 13 to 16. And they brought young children to him, to Jesus, that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. And when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms and put his hands upon them and he blessed them. Now you may say that, Jay, you're taking this out of context. Well, please bear with me. I'm not saying that these people, these four up here are little children. But if we can make a spiritual parallel, I just like to say I appreciate 
what Claire said this morning, that you have come, you've confessed your sins, and you've showed a genuine conversion experience, and you've been open about it. That's like a little child. And I'd like to compare, if we could this morning, thinking about Jesus and talking about the little children, and I'd like to think of these as little lambs, if you would allow me, that have been open about their life, confessing their sins, and have come. I believe these four on the front bench have something to teach us old fogies. Now, the third point of the message, I'd like to share some biblical directives for faithful living. And this is especially to the four sitting here on the front bench. It's my desire to share with you from God's Word, counsel from God's Word that would help you in your Christian walk. You have, you have said, pray for me and my Christian experience and my walk. And uh, I'd just like to share a few things from God's Word. Uh, that would give you some directive in your walk. Number one, make seeking God daily a priority. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. What should you do? What should we do? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's a promise from Jesus. If you seek Him first, He'll provide the things that you need. You know, realizing our dependency on God and seeking Him proves that humility is alive and well. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. How often do you need these verses? How often do I? Proverbs chapter 3, you know these verses well. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Why should you seek God each day? Why should we? Because isn't it true that you and I, at times, we fail? We need forgiveness. And there's times that we meet someone that has physical and spiritual needs, and we need His love and compassion. There are times when we face difficult situations, and we need His wisdom and His discernment. The problems often that we face are larger than we are. We need a place to go, and we are called to, to come here to seek wisdom that's not our own. And, and it's true that we face frustrations, we face discouragement, we face interruptions. How many of you enjoy interruptions? Maybe God uses those interruptions to, interruptions to test us. What kind of character do we have within? And when we face those frustrations and discouragements and interruptions, we need His mercy and we need His grace. Like I said, you know, God came to Solomon and said, what would you like to, for, for me to give you? And maybe we would think, well, that would be really neat if God would do that and come to us and ask us that question. But I submit to you that maybe He might not come to you in that manner. But we are just as blessed, I think we are. First, in James chapter 1, verse 5, 
Maybe he will not come to you like he did Solomon. But look at James chapter 1, verse 5. We are invited to come. If any of you lack wisdom, and we often do, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And what? A promise. Come. We are invited to come and seek wisdom beyond our own. And what a blessing that is. And I would submit to you, maybe if we feel like God seems distant, and maybe our, our experience is not what it once was or could be, maybe it's because we've been too self-sufficient. Maybe we're not embracing humility like we should. And we're invited to come. If any man lack wisdom, let him come. And he will upbraid not, and it shall be given him. And to you four up front, the second point, respect the authority figures that God has placed in your life. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, I should be able to quote this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And so I would say to you four, and you probably already have, as you think about the authority figures in your life, begin with your parents. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And after you come to the point uh, where you're older, it says in verse 2, to honor your parents. There are so many people in our world today that never learn to submit. This is one of the most important, one of the more important things to learn in your life is learn to submit to the authority figures that God has placed in your life. And let that be a trickle-down effect from your parents. It can go to school teachers. It can go to your peers. It can go to your, um, to your ministry. And then Romans chapter 13, God is the one that has placed the governmental authorities over us. And so I would say that there are many people in our court systems today, thousands of them, that have never learned to submit. And how sad. Number three, choose your friends carefully. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. This is God's word, not mine. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. In another version, it reads this way. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And maybe we would say, well, that's kind of a negative uh, challenge. But I wouldn't say that God's word is a negative. But if you want to flip it over, instead of maybe you thinking, well, I need to stay away from that person or that person. Be the good friend that encourages uh, others to holiness. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of youth that need good friends that they see that is intent to walk a way of holiness. And you can be that encouragement, a positive peer pressure. Yes, it is true. We need to be careful that we don't associate with friends that would drag us down. I understand that. But be the friend that would be a blessing and a challenge to the, your peers. Number four. Be God conscious during temptation. I don't 
have a lot of time to uh, spend on that, but I was thinking of Joseph and Potiphar's wife and the temptation there. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what's with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath into my hand. There's none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. And notice this. This is a blessing. As you face temptation, as you face the wiles of the devil... Remember what Joseph said, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? There's a lot of people in our world today, and maybe even in Christian circles, and it should not be, that they might look north, east, south, and west, and if the coast is clear, well, let's do, let's do what we are tempted to do. And they forget to look up. I would tell you it's a tremendous blessing if you have on board a God consciousness that when temptations come, you can quote, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? It would be a blessing to you. Number five, make church services and service to the church a priority. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, there's many people, even in churches, that may have a consumer type mentality. They may think this way. Well, what can I get out of church? Church is so boring. I'm just not getting much out of church. It kind of reminds me of what John Kennedy, I think it was John Kennedy quoted this some years ago in his speech. And I can't give it verbatim, but ask not what your country can do. Ask what you can do for your country. And so that would be what I would suggest don't be a person of consumer-type mentality, but be a person who looks within and says, well, what do I have to offer the church at the peak or whatever your church is? What do you have to offer? What gift do you have to offer the body of Christ? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, But unto every one of us is given grace. Every one of you four has been given grace, a gift from God, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Verses 11 to 13, what, For what purpose? And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man or mature man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, spiritual maturity. So make church service and service to the church a priority. Also, cultivate a servant's heart. 
Ephesians or Philippians chapter 2, thinking of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 7. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. What did he do? He made himself of no reputation, and he took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Galatians 6, 2. Bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's what we're commanded to do. To do. There's one more that I thought of that I, I really like. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Wrong reference. I'm thinking of the one where it talks about give and it shall be given you. Press down, running over. Somebody help me. Where is that one? I thought I had it right, but I. What do you say? Luke six thirty eight. I was in chapter five. I got feet of clay just as well as any of you. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure ye meet, it shall be measured with you to you again. And I wrote in my Bible, boomerang principle. For with the same measure ye meet, it's going to be measured to you again. The boomerang principle. I was blessed the other evening. We had the instruction class at our house on Wednesday evening, and after we were we were done, we were getting some refreshments ready. And here, the the uh, instruction class was out in the kitchen. They were popping out my wife's soybeans. Somebody was giving. Maybe we should have had our instruction class at our place more often. We got more work done. Thank you all. That was kind. Also, I had to remind, think of this as well, that last Sunday, I believe it was, we received an envelope in, the, in our mailbox here, had five $20 bills written in a very uh, nondescript script, so I guess so we couldn't tell who had sent it. But whoever put that in our mailbox, thank you. And I'm blessed that people... In the congregation are trying to follow God's word. You look at Matthew chapter 6, what talks when you do your deeds, when you do your prayers, when you fast. If you do it in secret, God will reward you openly. That's God's promise. So whoever put that there, thank you. Matthew 10 verse 8 talks about freely ye have received, freely give. God has been so good to us. Why should we be so stingy? God desires that we open our hands and share His goodness. He's blessed us with far more than we can use. Open up your fingers. That's a challenge to me too. Freely you have received, freely give. And I guess I've picked on you all enough. And I'd like to share just a few things with the congregation very quickly, very briefly. As you think about these four that were baptized and Members here at the peak, number one, 
pray for these new members. They ask for it. I think without fail, I think all of them ask for your prayers. Number two, encourage them as you have opportunity. Number three, don't expect them to be perfect. You aren't. I'm not. Number four, encourage them to grow and be involved in the life of the church. Number five, help them in areas that you once struggled in. And number six, be good examples for them to follow. In conclusion, may each one of us reflect on the vows that we have made to God and to the church. May we always remember that our sufficiency is in Him alone. And may God help us to remain little in our own eyes. May God bless each of you. Shall we have a song?